It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Now on ESPNCLT.com and wherever you get your podcasts, this is The Shutdown Corner with Reggie Walker. Now, here's the former Penn State Nittany Lion, Reggie Walker. We got new college football playoff rankings. We've reached the back half, essentially, officially of the NFL season. The NBA is underway. College basketball is here as well. This is the perfect time to be a sports fan. I know baseball just ended, not taking shots there, and I am aware that the NHL has begun. Shout out to all the people that can ice skate, because I know I can. We got a lot to discuss and not a lot of time, so I'm going to get into it real quick this week. We welcome you to the Shutdown Corner. I'm Reginald Walker. You know who I am. Appreciate you guys listening. We're on 730 The Game. Do me a favor. Subscribe to the Shutdown Corner wherever you get your podcast. I'm on the X, Walk 13 that's formerly known as Twitter. Hit me up. Let's talk some ball. A lot to get into, like I said. We can talk about the struggles of Carolina Panthers, the college football playoff rankings. James Harden has said he's the creative, and the Los Angeles Clippers need to embrace that. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. All that and more in just a minute. But first, I got to introduce you to this week's guest. He's someone that I should have had on the shutdown corner a lot sooner, but, you know, schedules. One of the busiest people in the business. Play-by-play for FIBA. You might know him from his work with the NBA.com international sites. I know him as a friend and the all-knowing and now newly minted assistant managing editor at the Sporting News. Natural leader. My friend. My dog. He's on the X at the Carlin Gay. Hit him up. Carlin Gay is in the building. Appreciate you, Carlin. How you living, man? I appreciate you. Appreciate the intro. Uh, it, it, you're right. Long time coming, um, but I'm excited, man. We got we got plenty to talk about. So let, let, let's uh, let's get into it. It's like the what? Like this this year of sports is like straight chaos. And right now, the middle of it is Michigan and the sign stealing. And now they're saying that other schools shared signs and information with them. Like all of this, and 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 let me. Let me go backwards for a half second here, Carlin, because when this story first sort of broke, the first thing I said is, well, everybody's trying to find an edge. It's much ado about nothing. And this thing has continued to mushroom cloud its way 
into a very big story. Now, whether or not they did something very nefarious or not, and Connor Scallions, the the, the guy accused, uh, has now been fired by Michigan. So we, I want to get that out of the way. I look up now several weeks later, and this thing continues to grow. What 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 are your thoughts on this thing? Yeah, it's 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 wild, isn't it? Like it, it's one of those stories where when I first saw it, um, you know, I I saw you know the NCAA trying to get someone else in trouble for something nefarious. That's the way I looked at it at first. And now, you know, we're now three weeks into this thing, still haven't had a real resolution. You know, football games are still being played. Michigan is still undefeated, which is at the center of all this, right? Are they going to make the playoff? Are they going to ban them from the, the championship game? All these things, right? Like if, if this was, and no disrespect to, you know, you know, Western Kentucky, are we having this discussion? No. no. This feels more to me like it is a Michigan football situation and specifically really a Jim Harbaugh situation than it is a Michigan you know, situation or, or college football situation. Stein stealing has been going on for, for years, right? Like people know this and, 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 and shut to the teams. Listen, if, if you're a team out there and you're worried about your signs getting stolen, then guess what? You're doing a bad job of coming up with the signs that shouldn't be stolen. Like if someone could sit in the crowd and steal your signs, that's on you, right? Like that should be on your staff. That should be on you. But to get back to the bigger picture, I think this has more to do with Jim Harbaugh than it does anyone else in all of college football. It, it looks like he's, he's, he's becoming the scapegoat. And, you know, I, I actually, it's hard to feel sorry for Jim Harbaugh, but I actually feel sorry for him in this situation. Here. <laughs> Look, it's funny, right? Cause like, and I even said at one point during this whole thing, as it started to sort of grow, I was like, I call him khaki, right? Cause of the khaki pants. <laughs> and I was like, I think khaki's like sitting in his office. Like, yeah, you guys are always trying to mess with me. Like, I think he felt like, it was a little bit of bear poking. And it's interesting to me now that they're saying that this was a sort of more than just a Michigan thing after letting it fester for a little while. Like, I feel like that is Jim Harbaugh all day sort of poking the bear on this thing and continuing the narrative because he knows it's about him. And then he's just not going to cooperate, which is why he got suspended for the first three games of the season. Anyway, he's just going to be like, oh, I'm not going to cooperate. I'm not going to answer any of your questions. Yeah, and, and he shouldn't, honestly. At, at this point, he shouldn't, especially if all of the football world, including the fans, like this is one of those things where I think the people covering the story think it's a bigger deal than the fans actually think it's a bigger deal. Like, I, I don't know if the average college football fan really and truly has a strong reaction to this if it wasn't Jim Harbaugh. Like, if it was Coach X that you couldn't put a face on, to it, like, I don't think they would care. I think this kind of floats it on the rug. But because it's Jim Harbaugh, he's one of the faces of college football, people have a strong reaction to him. There are people that want, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, someone to pay the price, and they hope that it becomes Jim Harbaugh in this case. And, you know, it has nothing to do with the kids that really, in my opinion, they have you know, the best team that they had in the last 15 years to win the national championship. It's sad that this is surrounding this team, and we're not talking about the product on the field. We're talking about what's happening off the field. But to me, this is all about Jim Harbaugh, his haters, and 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 really his lack of, let's say, it, lack of uh, humility in situations like this. Uh, <laughs> someone they, they want him to pay the price for something, and they finally got something they could sink their teeth into. And unfortunately, a ruling's going to have to be made here. And I, I think, I think, it's going to be uh, in the favor of those who want to see Jim Harbaugh go down for something and they didn't care what it was. The, the thing I think is the most hilarious about this whole scenario 
is how now, and I, I think you'll you'll understand right where I'm going. Everybody is screaming the NCA has to do something. Right. These are the same people that have been screaming for 15 years that the NCA is this worthless governing body that no one should listen to. And now all of a sudden, y'all want them to do something? You're the one that took their power and cut their legs from out, out from under them anyway. So why are you running to them now to come and save the day? They ain't touching khaki. They already tried that fight earlier in the year, and all they got was a predetermined, agreed-upon three-game suspension when Michigan was playing three nobodies. You know, it, it's going to be some slap on the wrists, I think, at the end of the day, because if if the ruling comes down too harsh, then the backlash is going to be on the NCAA in this case. They can't ban... They can't ban Michigan from the playoffs, right? Like they can't do that in this situation. They can't ban them from the Big Ten championship. They should let Ohio State do that, you know, when they meet at the end of the season and in that game that's going to be essentially for the Big Ten championship. They should allow that to play out on the field and not get involved here because the worst thing that could happen in college football right now this season, which has been terrific, is if Michigan wins and beats Ohio State and is eligible to go to the Big Ten Championship, and we know that's basically uh, a cakewalk for them, whoever comes out on the other side of the division, and they are banned from that, and Ohio State has to go through, even after, off the loss, that would look that would look insane. And I don't think the NCAA wants to have that, you know, on their, have to wear that on their chest, uh, especially over something as nefarious as sign stealing. Come on, what are we talking about here? Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully my Nittany Lions can start that party of shutting the Michigan party down <laughs> this weekend. This weekend. Yeah. High noon kick. Let's get it done in Beaver Stadium. James Franklin's record against Michigan and Ohio State is absolutely putrid. He needs to start turning that around, and it needs to start this week. Speaking of starting this week, I, I want to talk to you about the college football playoff rankings. When you saw the rankings this week, what was some of your thoughts? Because I, one of the things that jumped out to me was when you look at resumes, I thought Ohio State was propped up by their resume, a win over a Penn State team that is now in the top 10, as well as a Notre Dame team that was in the top 15 who has since lost to Clemson, which I think they got a soft landing because the committee wanted to keep Ohio State propped up. That's just my opinion. When you saw the rankings now two weeks in, and again, to remind everybody at home, this is not the end. This right. is not the end. This is just the right now. What were your thoughts on on this week's the latest rankings, if you will? To me, this feels like the committee sat in that room and they're trying to think about what the final rankings will be. And here's what I'm getting to on that. You have Ohio State number one, and there's an argument to be made that they are the best team in the country and they have the best resume and everything else. Like no one's taking them away, no one's taking anything away from the Buckeyes and what they've done this season. But it seems to me that they're setting up for Ohio State to be able to lose in that in that uh, rivalry game against Michigan and still make the playoff because you have Washington who's you know ranked fifth who has you know tough wins as well you know they they just went out and beat USC that was a tough tough uh victory on the road that you know many people both ends of the ball they showed you that they could do it they showed you that they belong but they they still have some you know they still have a tough schedule in the Pac-12 which Pac-12 is you know in its last year sad that in its final year it's actually providing us some good football that we can stay up and watch at 10 p.m. Yeah, and Washington, I know, right? Like Pac-12 after dark is good right now. And Washington, arguably, they have the best win in the country. They beat Oregon, who is the number six team in the country. At Now, granted, it was at home in Seattle, but they beat them. That is the best win in the country right now. Yeah, and they made the potential number one overall pick cry. 
you know, on, on, on national TV. And so, you know, the, to, to me, they should have at least been in the top four. I love what Florida state's doing. Uh, you know, Georgia, you can't deny what they have done this season and you expect them to be in the playoff once again with a chance to three-peat, but Ohio state is kind of where you lose me a little bit to be the number one team in the country, because it feels like they're setting up to, you know, for the game to be the game, right? Like if, if Ohio state loses that game, they could still kind of make an argument to slide them into that four spot because there's going to be a bunch of teams that are eight and one or or at that point in the season, 12 and one or, or whatever the case is. A lot of one loss teams are going to be stacked up and they've given Ohio State enough buffer to be able to fall to, you know, maybe you know fourth on that ranking when we get into the championship weekend. Again, you can make the argument that Ohio State is the number one team in the country. No question about it. I don't think that there's anyone that really can deny that. Look, it's still all about the big brands, right? As we see all of this conference realignment, the Big Ten and the SEC seem to be uh, the two conferences that are sort of taking the reins. And if you look at how this thing is stacking up, you've got Ohio State and Michigan both in that top three right now. Obviously, Penn State sitting at number 10. So you got three teams in the top 10. And then, oh, by the way, you look at the SEC, Georgia's still undefeated, haven't lost a game in like forever. And oh, by the way, here comes Alabama. Mm Mm-hmm creeping back into the party. So I think you hit the nail on the head and we got some big ones this week too. Let's think about this. As we mentioned, Michigan at number three, they're going to number 10 Penn state number 18. Utah is at number five, Washington. So a chance for Washington to get another quality win. Uh, Number 13, Tennessee at number 14, Missouri. Somebody is going to get a jump there. Missouri looked pretty good last week in their game. Number nine, Ole Miss is at number two, Georgia. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you right there. So the Tennessee-Missouri game, you know, it's it's a good football game in in the SEC, in the South, where we are, right? Great football game on paper. This is not a playoff matchup, right? Like, these are two lost teams. Both of them have already lost two games. This is not a playoff matchup. I don't think it should have any impact on what the committee does, you know, next Tuesday. I, I really don't. Like, that. that's just a great football game for SEC football fans, for those two schools to, to move on and have a great season. This should not be in the discussion for, for anything to do with the college football playoff ranking. It's going to be somebody's resume builder, who right? Like, and, and the key is going to be really more out of the West, more likely Alabama. Because sure. Alabama, obviously, as we know, they play Tennessee every year. They beat Tennessee. They don't play Missouri. So if Tennessee wins, it helps them. If Missouri wins, it probably helps Georgia a little bit more or or, or somebody like that um, from that standpoint. Because of the unbalanced nature of these conferences, that's where it could factor in. But it's just a resume piece. Yeah, I think when you come, when it comes to Alabama, though, you got to use the eye test, right? Like you have to see what they're doing on the football field. And quite frankly, they're playing some of the best football in the country right now. Yes. Like they, they have figured it out. Jalen Milrow, Milrow has has kind of grown into the position. Is he still going to make mistakes? Of course. Yes. Of course he is. But he he is growing into the position. He he is he's kind of you know leaning on his legs in in, in the win this past weekend. He, he he leaned on his legs. He, he understood when to run the football, when to turn into the running back that he can be. And then oh by the way, he made enough plays to to, to get those first downs and and come away with a victory. And they made it look quite easy. Like they looked like. Alabama, right? Like they, they looked like Alabama this past weekend in week 10, whereas, you know, in, in the loss to Texas, it didn't look like Alabama. It, it didn't look like Alabama football. It looked like a team that was still trying to figure it out. They know what they are right now. And that's a scary proposition for the rest of the country, really. It's the shutdown corner. I'm Reginald Walker. I'm talking with Carlin Gay of the Sporting News. I'm on the X at our walk 13. He's on the X at the Carlin Gay, C-A-R-L-A-N-G-A-Y. 
Carlin, we got to transition to the NFL. We'll get to your bills in a minute. I know, I know that's your squad. <laughs> but as you, you look at to. this NFL season, what are some of the things? And you could say the bills here if you want. What are some of the things that that the storylines that you're kind of paying attention to, or maybe something that may have surprised you so far? I think the Baltimore Ravens are becoming a football team that knows how to win in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the Ravens have always had a playoff caliber roster and a playoff caliber defense, but they've been one and done. You know, Lamar hasn't had that much success come postseason, and they're starting to figure out how to to do that offensively. When you take away plan A, they got plan B, C, and D now available to them. Uh, and and it's showing, you know, in their wins, point differential plus one fifteen so far on the season. You know, they're putting up big numbers uh, against some of these teams. And you know, it, it used to be, you know, when you, when you saw the Ravens on the on the t- on the uh, schedule, you know, you get to twenty points and you you might be okay, right? Like if you figure out how to get, and now that's tough. Now we're talking about a historically, you know, uh, over the history of the franchise, they've never had a bad defense. You know, they they really haven't. But if you got to twenty points. You might be okay because the offense haven't really been able to to match what the defense has brought to the table. So to me, uh, I, I am very interested to see if my eye test is telling me, you know, that the Ravens have figured it out and that they'll be able to do what they're doing right now in the regular season come playoff time. Uh, and, and you know that, that the AFC that we all said was going to be a you know a tough AFC and, and it's going to be a battle of all these quarterbacks at the beginning of the season. The Chiefs are still the kings, you know. I, 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 you know, when, when when December rolls around, January rolls around, it's still going to be can someone go in an airhead and, and and win a football game? That's it. it. It's interesting you say that. I want to go back to Lamar Jackson and and, and the Ravens for a second because number one, he's completing almost seventy two percent of his passes this year. That changed to Todd Monk, and I think personally, what I liked about it when they first announced it was Todd Monk is going to get away from some of that zone read looking stuff and get more downhill running into their uh, offense with Gus Edwards and Hill and those guys in the backfield and allow Lamar Jackson to play more play-action type Mm -hmm. situations. And I thought that would bode better for him, bode well for him, because it's similar to what he did as a college player at Louisville with Bobby Petrino. I think that is playing out so far. Nine touchdowns to three interceptions. He's efficient with the football. They're running the ball great. So the Ravens, to me, I think that's a great one. The only thing I would say in everything you said, I think Joe Burrow done woke up. And I think Cincinnati is going to be a factor down the stretch. I think his health is where it should be. Now, they've had some injuries at the receiver position. Uh, There's a chance that Jamar Chase uh, could potentially miss some time. He's got a little bit of a back injury right now. This is a football team that I think is peaking at the right time. They're starting to come up, right? And and we saw it the other night when they played their last game, all of a sudden when Joe Burrow's moving around. And this is something I've said even about the Dallas Cowboys getting to the NFC real quick and Dak Prescott. He's a better quarterback when he's instinctively running for first downs. When Joe Burrow starts scrambling and moving around and extending plays, I think that makes them a better football team overall but I'm with you. Until somebody takes the Kansas City Chiefs down, I'm rolling with the Kansas City Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is that dude. 
He, he really is. And, 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 you know, we just, the bills just saw the Bengals, right? Like, so we, we, we I had, you know, the opportunity to see Joe Burrow go to work. Um, and, and honestly, you know, the game's about matchups. The bills just don't match up well with the Cincinnati Bengals. There's just, there's, there's just no world in which they, I know the bills have a ton of injuries and all that stuff. There's just no world in which the bills can beat the Cincinnati Bengals on any given Sunday, you know, nine times out of 10, the Bengals are going to win those matchups. But what I saw from the Bengals, though, is is you, there is a recipe to get Joe Burrow kind of off his spot. And, you know, the, the Bills don't have the corners to, to, to guard at all. They're playing zone defense, and Joe's going to rip you up. If you're in zone, he, he's going to tear you apart. I think there are teams in the AFC that can play man-to-man, that could bump a little bit, that, you know, Chase and and, and, and those guys don't want to get hit at the line of scrimmage. You know, they, they don't want to be physical, and you also don't want to rely on Joe Mixon to be physical. That offensive line still questionable to me. So – if, if there is a team that, you know, can pick apart, uh, you know, the, the, the offensive line and, and kind of figure out, all right, you know, this left guard, we're going to attack him the rest of the game. And we're just going to send extra guys and have him figure it out and have Joe move. Joe doesn't want to move. He, he wants to be comfortable. He wants to be cool. Can he move? Absolutely. But I, I would rather see him sit back in the pocket and kind of pick you apart that way. And I think the Ravens present that problem. The Chiefs now probably have the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had. Right. Like this is this is a scary proposition here. Like the offense may not be humming, but they probably got the best defense he's ever had. So that is very scary. So I I, I think there there are a couple teams that I put above the Bengals, but as you know, it's who's hot at the end of the season, right? And and the Bengals are one of those teams that could very get very well get hot. Speaking of teams being hot, well, maybe who's not? The Carolina Panthers. Oh my gosh. This thing is a mess. It is. What the hell is the problem over there besides talent? <laughs> I, I, you know what? There is no identity for the Carolina Panthers, right? Like, so even if they had the talent, they went seven and ten last year. Even if they had the talent, you can leave games and say, "All right, at least I knew what they were trying to do to achieve a victory." I have no idea watching this football team on any given Sunday what they're trying to do to win a football game. I, I don't know if they're trying to establish a run. Have no idea if they're trying to get Bryce to move a little bit and 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 do some read option stuff. Have no idea what they're trying to do on defense. You know, it's it's just kind of like we're gonna call a play and hope for the best. You know, like if we get a stop, great. They celebrate stops. <laughs> they celebrate stops like it's a surprise to them that they actually had a stop and got a team off the off the field on third down. And when I see that from a football team, there's no confidence there, right? Like there's absolutely no confidence there. Every time Frank Wright goes to the podium, it looks like he wants to retire. It looks like he made a bad decision trying to take this job on. And, you know, poor Bryce Young, everyone's crushing him. He's the number one overall pick. That comes with the pressure of being the number one overall pick, right? Like, he he could have great numbers, but everybody only looks at the win-loss record and how pretty it is. And, you know, right now, he's stuck behind an offensive line that probably couldn't block better than you and I. Uh, he doesn't have many skill position players around him. Like Chuba Hubbard's a nice player, but I don't know if he's an every down back. And Adam Thielen is, you know, his ARP card is on the way. He's not. He's not buying green bananas. <laughs> so you you have you have this player in, in Bryce Young who you think could be talented and could play at this level, but if the talent around him is he, he he's having to elevate them, I don't think he's capable of doing that. Right? Like at Alabama, 
he was surrounded by talent and he was able to to get them to where they wanted to be, right? But I, I don't think he's able to take a zero player and turn them into a plus player. I don't think that's where he is. And I don't think we should expect a rookie to be there, you know, t- 10 games into his football career. So it is a tough situation. I, I think the, the, the biggest learning curve for Bryce is to hopefully stay healthy. If he stays healthy for the entire year, given the fact that the offensive line is, is as terrible as it is, I think it's a win for Carolina. I think it's a, it's a truly win because this is rock bottom. You, you, there's no way you could get worse next season. There's absolutely no way that this football team could come back and get worse. So uh, the development of, of, of Bryce Young is going to be key. And it also doesn't help that CJ Stroud's killing <laughs> that. That does not help either. Right. Like it doesn't help that the dude that li- literally went right after you is killing. So, Tough situation for him to be in. I just don't know, Reg, where they're going to find the assets in the offseason to improve around this offense because, you know, without the without the draft capital um, and by the time they pick in that second round, all the guys, all the all, all, the, all, the, all the, the, the people that say I'm him, they're going to be off the board. And if your scouting department ain't up to the task, it's going to be a long season in 2024. It's the shutdown corner right here on 730 The Game. We're talking to Sporting News, newly minted assistant managing editor, Carlin Gay, Y'all know me. I'm Reginald Walker. Carlin, let's transition to the NBA. You and I have talked about this guy for years, and you talked about management and leadership and and, and all that craziness. Daryl Morey in Philadelphia finally unloads his son. I'm going to call him his son or best friend, whatever. Right now they're divorced, to use James' term. But James Harden is now a member of the Clippers, traded from Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, the 76ers are 5-1, and one, tied for the best record in the East as of Wednesday. Harden, he's only played one game with the Clippers. The trade was massive. A whole lot of pick, their pick swaps, all kinds of chaos. What were your thoughts once this deal finally got done? Finally, you know, finally, this this deal should have happened, uh, you know, way before it actually did. And and if you're, you know, as as a as a fan covering this league and 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 watching these games, like James Harden has to be out in in July, and you know the return that you know Daryl Morey got. He could have probably got that in July. It, it wasn't like he he held out for a king's ransom. Um, you know, he he got he got what he could get uh, based on the situation. And really, where the Sixers won this trade for me is the addition by subtraction, because getting James Harden and the state of mind that he was in out of the locker room is going to help this team in the long term, because it's going to allow someone else to step up, and that someone else is Tyrese Maxey. And boy, he is balling right now reg like this guy is playing out of his mind i think joel Embiid has also taken it upon himself to say i'm gonna try and play all 82 you know nick nurse is challenging him nick nurse is a coach now that for the last three seasons before arriving in uh philadelphia he's had a guy in pascal siakam at least the last two years led the league in in minutes play per game and he challenged pascal siakam to say hey you got to go out there all 82 and not only are you out on the floor for all 82, but you're playing 37, 38 minutes per game. We need our best players to play in the regular season. And that's what Joel Embiid has to do and do it healthy. And Embiid's getting the ball more because James Harden's not dribbling out the shot clock. But that's right. a whole nother conversation. <laughs> right. Right? But you know who the, big, the biggest winner of this trade is? Tobias Harris. Yes. Because he has been seen as an overpaid fourth, third option, depending on who's on the floor on any given night. And now that all that pressure is off of him, the spotlight is no longer on him. He can kind of just be who he is. And that's a strong NBA player that's going to give you 20 to 18 points on an, on any given night and do it efficiently and, and be able to guard. He could defend a little bit and he doesn't get credit for that. So 
I, I love what the Sixers did. I don't love the package, but I love them moving off of Harden, doing it sooner rather than later so that they have the full runway to figure out if this team's a playoff caliber team. By the way, Tobias Harris last year averaged 15 a game, this year at 20 a game already. Yeah. So, my man, Carlin, you're always spot on. Uh, real quick, Dame Lillard, Milwaukee Bucks, him and Giannis, what does that thing look like for you? I feel like, and Boston will have something to say about it, but I feel like we're staring at Milwaukee and Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Boston, Boston for me is, is definitely going to have something to say about it. But honestly, you know, my, my quickest assumption, you know, uh, assessment of the trade is that it's taking longer to figure out than I thought it would. I thought Dame would be plug and play anywhere in the NBA and especially in Milwaukee. If you gave up Drew Holiday for him, right? Like that was like, they need a point guard. Dame shows up. He could put the ball in the basket. Giannis needs someone that stretched the floor and opened the floor for him. It was going to work right now. It's not working with those two on the floor. Uh, they're being outscored by opponents uh, per 100 possessions by eight points. That's just not good enough. And really, the, the the disconnect is on the offensive end. It looks like they're kind of being your turn, my turn offense. We saw this with Miami, right? When LeBron went down there to South Beach and he brought Chris Bosh with him, it was a lot of, all right, Dwayne, it's your turn. You score on this possession. I'll hang back and let you do you. And Dwayne went back and said, you know what? It's your turn. Now you score. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand aside. Until Dwayne Wade said to LeBron, hey, this is your team. I'll follow your lead. The Heat never figured it out. And through those first 17 games, they were 8-9. and nine, And everyone was laughing at them because Paul Millsap at the Utah Jazz was giving them buckets in Miami, and they were losing games to, to, to teams they shouldn't have. And I think that's where we are with Milwaukee. It's a lot of Dame being nice and Giannis being nicer, kind of letting him fit in. Giannis at some point is going to have to say, hey, Dame, this is my squad. You're here to join me to help me win another championship. And if you get your first along the way, that's great. But it's up to Giannis and also Coach Griffin, who's in a situation where he's his first-time head coach. He has to figure this out on the fly, but he needs to look both of them in the eye and say, listen, this is Giannis' team. Dame, you're the secondary guy. You're not used to that, but you're going to have to figure that out because that's the only way we'll be able to get to the promised land. The promised land is what it's all about. And as we get out of here, and I'm just going to give a quick shout-out because we don't have time to get too deep into it, Bill Self done got to the promised land. $50 million over the next five years, lifetime contract from Kansas. I can see you, Carlin, as I'm explaining this, as we're talking about this, the head nod, the head shake, your initial reaction. Listen, man, Bill Self, he, he got the bag, and but but deservingly so, right? Okay, like Kansas is not on the map, uh, you know, continuously in our era without Bill Self being there. He's putting guys in the NBA, he's winning championships, uh, I think it's well-deserved out of out of what's happening in college basketball right now because in college basketball, with all the other options you kids, these kids have to make it to the NBA, you need a brand. You don't need a head coach. You need a brand to stand on the sideline. And, you know, you can name three brands in all of college basketball. If you don't name Bill Self, you don't know what you're doing, right? You, you need to be able to say his name in those three. Uh, and he deserves it, you know. So congratulations to Bill and his family, and, and cut your boys some checks, man. We, uh, we we got bills to pay out here too. I gotta accept. I used to talk trash about Bill Self, and then he outcoached John Calipari in a national championship game. Everybody knows my roots are in Memphis. That hurt me bad. So I, I have to get he, Bill. I don't know if he outcoached him other than putting a lid on the rim when they were shooting those free throws. That's all he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and he when he went to that zone and and and, and, and packed everything in. Calipari didn't have the answer, throws, which should have been Donnell Mack. If they make those free throws, Chris Douglas Roberts ain't on the drugs he on. It's the shutdown corner right here on 730 The Game. I'm Reginald Walker Jr. Hit me on the X at rwalk13. He has been the Carlin Gay. He still continues to be. But today, he popped in with us. 
He's the newly minted assistant managing editor of the Sporting News. Make sure you follow him on the X. Hit him up. Talk to him at the Carlin Gay. That wraps up the show this week. We appreciate y'all listening. Thanks for supporting the show. I'm Reginald Walker. You've been listening to 730 The Game. It's the Shutdown Corner. I'm out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.